going to turn to the book of Galatians in chapter 6. And this is going to be one of those, I wanted to help you, but I'm going to start out right off saying this is one that you probably heard a hundred different sermons on. Everybody knows the sowing and reaping thing. Everybody knows that. Something that's been preached a gazillion times. But I hope I can try to bring it down to more of a practical level today. Because I don't think we often grasp just how much sowing and reaping is a part of our life. Everything we do, when we open our eyes in the morning, we are sowing already. We start to sow into our day right then. And it just, everything we do throughout our day is sowing and reaping what we've sowed. Galatians chapter 6, everyone there? Go down to verse 7. And it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And Lord, I ask God that you'll direct today, guide, and Lord, do a work in our hearts that we that each one of us needs, Lord, that I need. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is one of those that has unfortunately been cheapened. There's so many scriptures that I think that the, the, that the church world has cheapened. And this one's been cheapened down into meaning money. You know, you sow money, you're going to get more money back. And it's been, the whole concept, the whole meaning of what, is it, what it's trying to tell us has been, it's been uh, you know, tampered, tamped down and taken away because of this uh, cheapening in, into it just being a, a, a prosperity thing. But there's more to it than that. And some of us, who has gardens? Uh, anyone have gardens? I plant them and they all die. So I, I do so. It's just that I don't do much with it after I sow it, so it dies. <laughs> it doesn't go very far. But you're not going to get a crop if you don't sow. It is a requirement. You have to do that. Everything we do is sowing into our life, whether it's positive, whether it's negative. We blame other people for our own sowing sometimes. And I'm not talking about sowing. I'm, you know, I'm talking about sowing. I... Uh, Pulled the car over one day, and a very drunk man was driving it, and I checked his record, and he had five or six prior DUIs. He was suspended first degree, which is the biggest degree in Washington State, and a very serious deal, and he was on a program to get his license back, and he was very, very angry that I had ruined that program for him. <laughs> and I don't remember how many weeks it was, but he's like, I only have five weeks left, and you have destroyed that. You have messed my whole life up. And you know, that's a, what's the problem? He sowed, and he was reaping exactly what he was sowing. We often don't realize our own involvement, our own responsibility, I, you know, I, I try not to get frustrated with the grandkids when we're around them. And one of the, well, the oldest one, his mama told him to do something. He has this little pattern that he does when Trisha will say, Zach, go do something. He immediately does nothing at that point. 
He stops. Whatever he was doing, stops. Instead of doing what he's supposed to do, and I, I know it's a you know, battle of the wills thing, he'll eventually do it, but usually after he gets in trouble. And so Trisha you know, told him he couldn't do something, I don't remember what it was, and kind of got on, and then he was fussing. Ah, I can't believe it. Everyone's always picking on me. It's always picking on me. Why is it always on me? And I was just like, stop, boy. I want to talk to you. <laughs> you know you're in trouble when Grandpa's ready to come out at you. you know? I said, son, let me explain something. This is 100% you. Your mother told you to do something. If you would have stopped what you were doing and did what your mother said, you would be able to play and have a great time now. But you chose to do something other than what you were told, and now you're reaping the consequences of that. This is how we live our life. We sow. You get up in the morning. If you eat the wrong things, day after day after day, eventually your body will begin to break down quicker than it already will. It's going to break down eventually anyway, right? If you drive too fast for conditions at some point, you're going to reap the consequences of doing that. And what's sad is so many, the cost that is involved. I found out this week I hadn't seen one of our our paramedics for quite some time, and I was asking where she was. And found out she had been fired from the ambulance place, suspended from the tribe, and her license was on hold in the state. And I went, why? Well, they take, don't take kindly to showing up to a call drunk. And, and, I just, and I'm talking to a, a firefighter friend of mine, and I'm like, how long does it take to become a paramedic? And he was going, well, you've got to go through this, and you've got to do that. And what, what it boiled down to when he was done, and he said, probably about nine years. And that just broke my heart. Nine years of her life to achieve what she had achieved And she threw it away over something so ridiculous as to showing up on a call drunk. But you sow and then you reap the benefits or the consequences of that sowing. Nobody did it to her. She did it to herself. But it's still heartbreaking to see that happen. It's horrible to see that take place. See... We sow, when our children are born, we begin to sow into them. When we get married, we begin to sow into that relationship. Everything we do, I I think it was my truck, if I recall. I went and got the owner's manual because I was trying to figure out how to do something in it. And I happened to get to the maintenance thing, and it had a whole list. Every three months, you should jack it up and check all your wheel bearings. Check your tie rods and check your ball joints. And then you should check all the seals around the doors. And you should go underneath and and shake the muffler and make sure the brackets are in place. And I'm like, yeah, right. Anybody going to do all this stuff? Are you kidding me? We changed the oil, checked the air filter, and that's pretty much it. That's all we do. But, you know, I was thinking about that as, as I was praying about this message and I started to realize, you know, if we did everything that was on that list, we wouldn't have to deal with a wheel bearing going out along the side of the road, right? You wouldn't get up one day and look out and say, ooh, the front tires are all torn up on my truck. Maybe I have bad tie rods. You'd catch them before they got to that point. So there's something about sowing. I, I, I call that owner's manual the book of sowing. It's saying if you sow all these things, you're going you're gonna to have a benefit, a positive benefit of sowing that way. But we fail to do that. Most of the time we do only what is necessary to maintain our vehicle. We all know we have to change the oil. 
Sometimes that's all we want to do is change the oil and just go on from that. Will your car keep going? Sure it will. If you don't change the oil, will your car keep going? No. Even if it's the best car on the planet, it's not going to go. I bought an 82 Crown Victoria, beautiful car, but the lady who owned it before us didn't ever change oil in it, ever. I think it had close to 80,000 miles on it, and that engine was shot. It was destroyed. It has, so I had to rebuild it. Here's a beautiful car, but she had so death into that. The Bible tells us here. It says, He that soweth to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. But what's it say before that? He that soweth to the flesh will of the flesh reap destruction. Have you noticed that your flesh likes death? Think about that. Have you ever thought about that? Your flesh wants to kill you. Given absolutely to its own devices, your flesh will kill you. You will drink too much coffee, you'll drink too much alcohol, you'll smoke cigarettes, you'll drive too fast. You can go down the list of the things that the flesh likes to do that kills you. And given to it, it's a battle to, to actually keep ourselves from sowing death into our own lives. Because you go to the doctor, as I did, and the doctor will tell you, as he did to me, he said, you can eat anything you want to eat. As long as if it tastes good, you must spit it out immediately. He said, if it tastes like cardboard, you're on the right track. <laughs> you know? That's kind of how it, how it goes. But our flesh says, I want that. I want that thing that's going to destroy me. It tastes really good right now. And that's the way we so easily live our lives if we're not careful. He tries to tell us, be not deceived, God is not mocked. What does that mean? In the Amplified it says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. What is he telling us? If you don't live according to the Spirit... You will die because God will not be mocked. If you sow to death, you will reap death. If you sow to life, you will reap life. That's what Scripture is trying to tell us. Now, we have a generation that has risen up that wants to reap the positive things without sowing the positive things. We have many within the church world who want to reap the benefits of Christianity. And I was talking to a fellow about this yesterday, and I was trying to get that through to him, because he talks a lot about what God is doing, and man, God is doing this for me, and God is doing that for me, and I'm, and I'm trying to get him to the point of understanding, you love to reap everything that God does, but you don't sow anything into the spiritual life at all. And, and I told him that yesterday, and he sat there for a while, and he's like, well, I'm doing better. And they always go to that. Isn't that funny how they always go? I haven't killed anyone this week, you know. <laughs> they always go to this. I'm doing better. And, and I'm like, see, the, the problem is we, lo- we want to reap, but we don't want to sow what is necessary to gain what we want, what we desire. If we want a relationship with God, we have to sow a relationship with God. If we want a good marriage, do you have to sow to that? 
You better believe you have to sow to that. You will not accidentally have a good marriage. You have to sow life into that marriage. If you sow death, it's kind of the golden rule, you know. Treat, treat me or treat others as you want people to treat you. That old golden rule. But if you treat your spouse with, with disrespect and dishonor and contempt, how long will you have a strong marriage? Not very long. They might put up with it for a while, but eventually you'll break down and you'll begin to reap the death that you have sowed into that marriage. But if you sow life into that marriage and you encourage and you love and you compliment and you do for and all that, you begin to reap the benefit of that in your life, in your marriage. Your children are the same way. If you sow death into those children, they they become a part of my life, part of of my life. uh, my job later on because of the sowing that parents have done and, and you end, end up reaping that in their life. The flesh brings death. God will not be mocked. You can get away with it for a while, but God will not be mocked. He will bring the consequences to your actions. And so what he's trying to tell us is let the consequences be the good consequences, not the bad consequences. Sow life into you. So this fellow asked me yesterday, he said, so if I'm going to sow good things, where should I start? <laughs> and I said, first thing you need to do is you need to get into the Word of God and you need to pray every day. You need to be in the Word and in prayer. And I said, another one is you need to find and be faithfully attending and involved in a good Christian church. I said, you do those three things, your life will begin to come together. And he said, well, I have to admit, you kind of got me thinking. (laughs) Sowing life into you, everything that we do. And I, I, I want to drill this because we often, we've allowed bad preaching to make us think of money when we hear this text. And this text is not about money. It's about our life. It's about sowing life everywhere that we go in our life. And we don't realize. See, sowing is that planting. It is caring for. You don't just go out into your garden. Well, I do. But the rest of you that know what you're doing, don't do this. Just walk out there and throw seeds and say, that's good enough. You know, I try that and things grow, but they don't taste very good. Those things that grow because I think they're weeds. Um, But... Sowing is more than throwing seeds. Sowing is cultivating and nurturing and watering and fertilizing and all the things that go along with growing that crop that you are desiring. And when you do all those things that are necessary, you reap the benefit of it. You reap that, which is vitally important. Sowing and reaping applies to everything we do. Our children, our marriage, our job. Our job. How many people have you met down through your, your life who have told you something to the, to the tune of, well, they just don't pay me enough. If they start paying me more, then I'll start doing more. How many of those people ever got raises? <laughs> not very often. That's not normally how it works. You sow to the job and then you reap from the job, normally. How about church? You've all heard that. Well, I just don't get fed there. I just don't get anything there. I don't get anything out of it. 
You don't come to church to, to get anything out of it. You come to church to sow blessings to people, to sow the love of God to people. And do you reap when you're at church? I hope so. But when you come to church saying, I'm going to go, I'm not going to sow a thing, I'm just going to reap, there's going to be a problem. You're going to get very disappointed. Because we come to feed. When you get around, when you're around your children, you don't, you don't look at them and say, I just want to get from you, kid. Just, just give me. Just give me. Yeah, parental love makes you want to give to them. Sow into them. Put into them. And do you get blessings from it? Absolutely. Do you reap from it? Absolutely. But it comes from sowing. Sowing and reaping is very involved in just our type, the type of day that we have. You know, we determine, and, and I've used this illustration before, I, I love Colville. Colville is my hometown. I'm born and raised there. I spent countless hours walking up and down those streets doing things I wasn't supposed to as a kid. I mean, I love that. I just love Colville. I still, to this day, when I go to Colville, I just get a little bit of excitement because that's just my hometown. So my son and I are driving in over Tiger, and we get up to the top of the hill, uh, past the gun club and we're heading down the hill and you see the high school and all that. We know we're getting into town and I said, oh, I just love Colville. I just can't wait. I love Colville. And Jimmy said, I hate Colville. <laughs> see, there's two guys in the same vehicle going to the same destination, the same town. But one loved it and the other one didn't love it. What's the difference? The outlook. The way that he was sowing versus the way I was sowing at that time. I loved it. He hated it. Your day often operates the exact same way. You can get up in the morning and you can look outside and go, Ugh, snow again. <laughs> go over to your thermos, your thermometer and look, ah. It got nine below zero last night. And you know what? You've just sowed to your day. You have sowed to your day. Or you can get up and say, praise God, look at that beautiful snow. Ah, Ernie's stuck right in the middle of the road. This is great. I love it. You know, I mean, (laughs) it really is perspective. It is a way we choose to sow to our day. And we get up. I'm preaching myself, folks. I, when I preach up here, most of the time I'm preaching at me. You guys are just visitors. I'm just so, I'm preaching to me. <laughs> when you get up, sometimes it's easy to get into things like some TV show or some newscast or something else that you shouldn't be instead of getting into the Word of God and prayer like you should be to sow good things to your day. Start your day the right way and your day becomes a whole lot better. Start your day the the wrong way and your day goes downhill really quickly. It depends upon how you sow to that day. Whether we have peace that day. Whether we have joy that day. All those things. You can be crippled in body and hurting from head to toe and have a victorious day. Or you can get up healthy and, and complete and not a pain in your body and be miserable all day long. It's not because everything going right that gives you a good day. It's not because of everything going wrong that gives you a bad day. 
It is our perspective on that and how are we sowing into our day, into our life. Our minds do that, a lot of that sowing and our reaping. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Again, a passage that has been cheapened to mean nothing more than money. That's not what it's talking about. Can it be money? Sure, it can be money, I suppose. But what he's trying to tell us is so much deeper than that. How you treat... Let me back up a minute. The way, we, the way people, we deal with people in their behaviors or their actions or their attitudes affect us very much so. Because when somebody is nasty to you, what are they expecting? They're expecting you to be nasty back. That's what they want. When you're kind to them, the Bible says it heaps coals of fire on their head. Hmm. And it, and it works. I was in uh, Safeway the other day in Newport, and I ran into a uh, particular fellow who does not like me because I, I arrested him, and he has never really forgiven me for that. So now, basically, if I say anything beyond hello, he does a complaint against me. I've had like four or five different complaints from this guy. Uh, and, and so he'll, he'll do a complaint. So I see him in the store, and he's got his family with him. And so I said, oh, this will be fun. So I went over there. And I said, hey, man, how you doing? Shook his hand. I looked at his kids and I played with, hey, isn't that cute? And I played and I talked to the wife and I talked to the older daughter and, and we, and all the rest of them started laughing and we started cutting up back and forth and he stood there just stone faced and stared at me. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? When I left, I felt good. If I would have come at him the way he wanted to come at me, we would have both left miserable. I can't wait to see if he does a complaint. Because his, mo- his mother is on the tribal council, so, you know, I always hear about it whenever he sees me. He doesn't like me. But you know what? The Bible tells us that that heaps coals of fire on their head. And you know the old story. I, there was a story about a fellow who was in a feud with his neighbor, and they didn't like each other and hated each other for years and years and years. Well, one of them went to church and got saved, and, and he found out what he should do so he went back and he he went out and he weeded his neighbor's garden so the fella came back and he found his garden all weeded and he said what happened who did this so he started asking the neighbors and the neighbor said hey your enemy over there that guy you hate so much he came over and weeded your garden <laughs> the fellow went hmm so he went over there to him and he said did you weed my garden he said yeah he said why'd you do that he said, well, I went to church and I gave my heart to the Lord and, and I found out the Bible says that if you have an enemy to do kind things to them and it heaps coals of fire on their head, and frankly, he said, frankly, I hope it burns your brains out. <laughs> but you know, there is something valuable to learning to sow good into people even when people are sowing bad into you. Because you can turn a bad situation into a good situation by sowing good things into people's lives. Even if they're nasty to you. Even if they're unkind to you. I still think that one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed, and it was on the news, was when the Amish children were gunned down in the school. You remember that? That gunman went in there and killed, I think it was six Amish children. 
And what amazed me was over the, the following weeks how the Amish community very publicly and very uh, clearly stated, we forgive this man. We, just, we, we, we will visit him. We will, we will be there for him. We, we forgive him. And I'm like, wow. As, even as a Christian, that would be so hard to do. But you know what? God had taught them sowing and reaping. You so good. You so good into people's lives no matter what they treat you like. Because when they're nasty to you, they're expecting you to sow nasty back. And if you sow good, then it will, you will reap the benefits. Verse 10 in the Amplified, So then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. Not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being and especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith or the born-again believers. We should be seeking how we can sow into people's lives every day. Well, I don't have any money to sow. You don't have to sow money into people. Sow yourself into people. Mentor somebody. Give somebody a call that you haven't seen in a, in a few weeks. Just tell, tell somebody you're thinking about them. Send them a card. I, and I'm preaching to me. I'm the worst at this. I'm telling you. You're going to remind me of this later because of how bad I am at it sometimes. I'm preaching to me. But we got to learn to do that. To reach out to people and just say, hey, I sure did miss you. I haven't seen you. I, I, I love you. I'm concerned about you. What can I do for you? You know, can I come weed your garden? No. Uh, <laughs> Whatever it takes to sow into their life something. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did as He was going through leading up to the time when He would go to the cross. He was sowing life into people. You know what amazing thing is that God sees all things and He knows all things in the future. Now history tells us that that one of the closest disciples to Jesus was who? Judas. They say that Judas was considered one of Jesus' closest friends. Now think about that. Jesus knows exactly what Judas is going to do. Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver and he is going to be beaten and crucified and Judas is going to be the one that leads it to him. And yet he did not hold that against Judas even as he was one of his closest friends. That's amazing. But that's who Jesus is. And that's who He desires us to be. We don't hold that grudge. Like Renee was saying, we don't hold that offense. Oh, offense is easy. It is so easy. There's some people, I think they hold... Remember those old commercials? Who was that? Robert Conrad had the batteries on his shoulders. And he said, you know, and I don't even remember the commercial, although I remember those batteries on his shoulders. It was like, you got that chip on his shoulder. Knock it off. Go ahead and knock it off. There are people that come to church that way. Just don't say hi to me. Just walk by and don't shake my hand. Just don't, you know, don't do this or don't do that or do something that this or that. And then then they're ready to be offended. Offense is silliness. It's silliness. So life. I I often often said uh, this one particular church we went to, was it was crazy it was it literally was crazy 
And I used to say going there, I said, I refuse to be offended. I refuse. We'd go into church. I would say that to myself. Go, I refuse to be offended because I know somebody's going to try today. And I refuse. And boy, they would try. They would try so hard. But you know what? If you come to church and say, I absolutely refuse to be offended, you'll have a whole lot better time at church. I refuse to get pulled into that. I refuse to be offended. I refuse to be angry. I refuse to have my feelings hurt. I refuse to get involved in all of that. And I remember we set our Bibles down at this table. We were getting ready for Sunday school and we set our Bibles down at this table and this older lady came in that she didn't care much for us anyway. And she walked over and she looked at those and she slid them almost clear off across the table onto the floor. Just went across the table and slammed her Bible down and sat down. And I thought, God, this is one of them times I really want to get offended. (laughs) And I just walked over to her and I said, Sister, why don't you go ahead and sit there? We'll sit over here. (laughs) It's crazy what people will do sometimes. But as children of God, we can't afford to get offended. We can't afford to carry that weight that we don't need. We have no reason to carry it. Don't carry it. I'm going to sow life. I'm going to sow life. I'm going to sow to the Spirit. I'm going to sow to the things of God, not to the things of the world. I want to sow in my marriage the things that are going to bring life. I want to sow into my children the things that are going to bring life. I want to sow into my grandchildren and my job and my church and everything what is going to bring life. And when the devil tries to bring in death, I want to push him away and seek to bring and sow life into my existence into my day and everything that I do. Would you you stand with me and pray, please? Father, I just look to you in the name of Jesus. And I know, God, that it is not easy for any of us to do these things because so often we want to sow death because the flesh drives us to do that. Father, I pray that you will teach us to sow life. Teach us to sow life. Help us, God, to not be offended. Help us, Lord, not to be angry. When somebody does or says something, and Lord, we're in that position of choosing, help us to choose life. Help us to choose those right things, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, as we look towards This coming week and this coming year, help us, Lord, to decide and determine that this year, this week, we are going to sow life, not death. Help us, Lord, to be better at what we do, to to show love to one another, to sow life into them. And Father, I just ask God right now, once again, I pray for those in our church body who are afflicted in their bodies. Linda and Mary Lou, Lord, those that are struggling with this cancer, Lord, I just pray for them. I pray for them in Jesus' name. Lyman, I ask God that you'll touch him where he's at right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, for those that are afflicted through the colds and flu that is going around right now, Lord. I pray that you'll touch them, the McNeely family and Bob and Edie and and Boone and Megan and any others that that are struggling in body. I pray for them today that you will heal them. Heal them and restore their health and their strength in Jesus' name. Be with them. Hallelujah, hallelujah.